believe that 2019 is getting ready to be the best year of your life. And so I, I want to kind of lay out some things for you. Um, I'm doing a series, starting a series on today called Show Me My Opponent, Attacking the Things That Have Our Lives Out of Order. Uh, show Me My Opponent. Um, while other people are preaching about bird box and everything else. Uh, amen. I tend not to follow too many trends. Amen. Because sometimes tr trends can make you cheap. Amen. Following trends can make you cheap. And I know that God has put too much in me for me to be cheap. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, ain't nothing cheap over here. Ain't nothing cheap over here. Amen. And so I want to kind of jump into this on today. Today I'm preaching a message called Me Versus Me. Me Versus Me. I don't need to, um, I told him on New Year's Eve service that, um, that uh, um, I, I'm going to try to keep the touch a neighbor down to a minimum. Amen. So in my message, amen, I'm going to give myself three of them. Amen. Three of them. Hallelujah. You know why the preacher tell you to touch your neighbor so you stay awake? Amen. It's the only reason why you tell you to, we tell you to touch your neighbor. Amen. I know you don't like it. You don't, you don't, you don't, you know, I know you don't like it. Amen. But um, just allow me three of them. Today, I want to preach me versus me. Um, ladies and gentlemen, in 2013, a new word showed up in our vocabulary of our society that has never been uttered before. The word was so popular that year uh, that it became the word of the year and it was added to the Oxford Dictionary. That word was selfie. <laughs> selfie, which is defined as a photograph that one has taken of oneself, typically one taken with a smartphone or a webcam and uploaded to a social media website. And while we may think that a selfie is a new modern phenomenon that was invented by millennials, uh, history suggests that man has always had a fascination with looking at himself. <sighs> Centuries ago, the writers of mythology wrote a character by the name, come on, let's go, by the name of Narcissus. Uh, who composed uh, the perfect selfie by staring at his reflection into a stream of water because he was so fixated on how he looked in the bloom of his youth until eventually he melts from, fi from the fire of passion burning inside him and turns into a white and gold flower. History even records, come on, let's go, a prehistoric cave painting in France even painted pictures of themselves in the faces of the animals that they would carve into the rock. Can I just, can we just talk just for a minute? In the 15th century, come on, Leonardo uh, uh, da Vinci, uh, let's go, who, who was one of the most important painters of the in Italian Renaissance, who painted the Last Supper, y'all seen the Last Supper? And he painted the Mona Lisa, y'all heard of that? Even did a self-portrait of himself in his old age. In the 17th century, the painter Rembrandt, come on, let's go, mastered, watch this, the duck face. In his study, in what he called studies in expression, which was a self-portrait that he painted of himself. In the 19th century, one of the earliest American photographers, Matthew Brady, attempted to take on some selfies with a recent uh, discovery uh, called photograph equipment. But unable to tell where he was pointing the camera, he kept accidentally taking pictures of the area just over his shoulder and to the left. He passed these 
off as innovative landscapes of the Civil War dead. But the greatest painter of selfies was Vincent Van Gogh. Van Gogh sent a note to someone explaining that when he painted this picture, it looks like more like a duck because he has no ear in it and ducks don't have ears. But now, everybody say now, we have cameras on our phones. And it has created a public platform for the insecure as well as for the show-offs. And while we try to make selfies about being vain and conceited, we now realize that selfies are often just as much about reassurance and self-expression as they are about confidence and narcissism. Because when you go through the process of taking 20 pictures just to post one, just so that you can have the illusion of what we want others to think about us. We, when we want to give the best version of ourselves without the reality that we are not always as good as our last post help me right through here it creates a tension in our lives between you trying to live your best life self and just trying not to let life get the best of me self ah don't you fool yourself about what people post on social media because while they show you the wonderful stuff they don't show you the ugly stuff oh you was mac down honey you had your hair just right a weed just slayed just as could as me eyebrows on fleek you was just doing it like you could but we don't see that picture when you first woke up in the morning and had coal in your eye and, and you done had that little white spot that came down the side of your face because you done drooled all night. We don't show that side. When you gonna show me that selfie? Because that's who, the, who you really are. Honey, you ain't the Mac down you 24-7. Look at your neighbor. This ain't a touch your neighbor. Just look at him. Just look at him. Honey, that ain't what they look like in the morning. Don't you get fooled up. They get up with bad breath. They get up with hair standing on top of their head. They get get up, look and toe up from the flow up and we are living our lives trying to be this impressionable us that we put on social media but is there anybody that's come to the end of it and said that ain't who I really am, that's my highlight reel but that ain't the practice squad that ain't what I really look like 24-7 because our culture encourages a preoccupation with image and appearance now we live for the gram by birthing envious desires that have nothing to do with the will of God for our lives. Now we have hashtags that pursue a fantastical image over a life of substance. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Now you got hashtag goals. Hashtag relationship goals. Hashtag insta good. Hashtag living my best life because social media feeds our excessive need for validation, self-promotion, and self-expression. And if you're not careful, self-absorption can lead to make us, watch this, an idol of ourselves. Don't hang up on me. I'm coming down your road. Self is an idol when your motives supersede God's will for your life. Self becomes an idol when the decisions we make say we know more than God himself. Self is an idol when you live to build your own brand, get your name famous, and you get the glory. 
I know some of y'all don't like it, but the truth of the matter is some of us done made self to be an idol in our lives. And they real strong. And then God comes along. Come on, let's go. 2 Corinthians 13, verse number 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse number 5. The Bible says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. I know you look across the street, but the word of God says, test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Paul says, test yourself to the place of examination to see, watch this, is Christ really in you? He says, look at yourself long enough to see if Christ is really in your decisions. I know you came to church, boo, but some of us are in church and going to bust hell wide open. He says, examine yourself to see if Christ is in your attitude. How you say it and you that nasty? You sat right next to that neighbor, ain't even speak to him. He says, examine yourself to see if Christ is in how you treat people. See, examine yourself long enough to see if Christ is in your schedule. Is he, is he, is he really in your schedule? Or, or is it something you try to fit in in between everything else that you want to do? Because if you just look to see if you are a good person, that's what this world try to teach you. You just be a good person, and that's all you need to be. Uh, if you just look to see if you're a good person, if you just look to see how strong you are, if you just look to see how wonderful you are, you will come up short over and over and over again. But the power of your faith will not be found in you, but the power of your faith will be found in the Christ in you. I need somebody here to realize it ain't because you so wonderful. It's because you serve a risen savior that's dwelling on the inside of you that makes you wonderful honey if you lift it up to me I'll mess it up I'll jack it up I'll say the wrong thing I'll do the wrong thing I'll think the wrong thing but if it had not been for God because greater is he that's what in me than he that's in the world honey God is saying you ain't wonderful because you looked at yourself and you look good today though uh, just keep on living because after a while those little proclivities and those little habits and those little inner secrecies that you got will mess you up after a while I wish I was talking to a church this morning that no I'm nothing without God I'll be wiped away without God I'll be a mess without God I'll be on drugs without God I'll be in the hospital without God I'll be in the graveyard without God because in him I live I breathe I move and I have my being God says you examine if your examination is based on you watch this you will end up with self-esteem and self-hatred issues you ready for this you know what amazes me that people don't realize there are so many people in church that have self-esteem and self-hatred issues and don't even realize it <laughs> and what God is trying to get us to see is that if you replace Christ with self, it destroys the idol of self every time. 
That's why I have to make myself worship even when I don't feel like it. I'm coming your way. Because if I withhold my worship, I put myself on the throne of my heart. If I withhold my worship, I'll put my feelings on the throne of my heart. But when God is on the throne, I will worship him with, a, with my heart being broken. When God is on the throne, I'll worship him even if I'm tired. When God is on the throne, I'll worship him even when life doesn't go my way. I told you this was a mature word because you want me to preach that you're going to live your best life in 2019. But God is saying you need to check who's on your throne because if you can't worship me in the good times and in the bad times and when you feel good and when you don't feel good and when you got money and if you don't got money, if you can't bless the Lord at all times and his praise continually be in your mouth, then you ain't got much of a faith. But is there anybody in freedom this morning that say I've learned how to bless him in the worst times in my life. I've learned how to honor his name when my heart was a million pieces. I've learned how to bless his name when I didn't get the job because I've learned how to bless him no matter what I was going through. Uh, I would tell you to touch your neighbor right there, but I'm going to leave it alone. Because come here, this generation. I'm getting ready to say some stuff you ain't going to like, you ain't going to shout, but it's going to help you. Because you can listen to all the self-empowerment podcasts you want to. You can read all the self-motivating books that are out there. You can speak all the positive affirmations you want to. And you can surround yourself with nothing but good vibes with your crazy self. But it, but it, watch this. If it feeds your imaginations and not develop your character. Come on, come on, let's talk. If you become more self-centered than God-centered, then your examination will result, watch this, in self-loathing, introspection that ends up in doubt and despair. Because when I focus on me, I will end up feeling defeated every single time. When I focus on me, I will end up doubting if I'm going to even make it. When I focus on me, I will believe, believe the worst about me. But when my pursuit perspective is God-centered and my assurance is in Jesus and my faith is in God then my perspective changes to see that God ain't done with my life yet uh, I don't I don't lose my joy because God is still working on me and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him uh, I don't lose my faith because stuff don't go my way I don't give up on God I need to go ahead and put that out there there's somebody in here that need to lift your hands and tell the Lord this year I ain't giving up on you this year I'm not walking away from you this year I'm not bending or bowing I'm going to stand flat footed and believe that he who has begun a good work in me shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ I need somebody in here to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise if you're not giving up this year so here we go. It's the first of the year. This is the time that we evaluate where we are in life and where we want to go. We make decisions to change, to be better, to do better. Because our evaluation and our inspection of our lives say that we can do more. <sighs> um, but do you know one of the greatest destructive behaviors we exhibit when we get worried or anxious, hear me, 
in life is that we constantly turn inward. Stay right with me. When we feel worried, we try to escape it by trying to turn inward and analyzing how much peace is actually in our soul. It's dangerous. When we feel a sense of worthlessness, we try attempting to treat our condition by turning inward to examine our self-worth. You know what the problem is with that? We come up lacking every time. And we start to feel even worse than better because of what we lack. Let me put it in an easier way for some of us to get it. It means that you get stuck in your own head. And you start to try to figure out, well, if I ain't got no peace, why I ain't got no peace? If I ain't got no joy, why I ain't got no joy? It is a destructive behavior, ladies and gentlemen, because inward focus, watch this, becomes a form of bondage. You don't believe me. I know you told yourself this year, I'm just going to do me. But I got a question for you. Could your self-awareness start paralyzing you? Because you know you. Oh, you thought I was talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you. I'm going to use one right now. Look at your neighbor and say, he talking about you. It's your wonderful self. With your opinions about everybody's life except yours. I'm talking about you. That got something to say about everybody else but you. Oh, we see it all the time. We want to talk about R. Kelly. And we fixate on the dysfunctions of others and completely ignore our own. I'm talking about you this morning. Because while you may not have done that, you done did something. God, I wish I had a church in here this morning that realized I may not have done that, but I've done something that didn't, that God was offended by. I've done something that God was not pleased with. I've done something that I need forgiveness for as well. And I ain't got time to talk about the plank in your eyes when I got a toothpick in my own eyes. Is there anybody in here that say, I have, I have fallen and come short of the glory of God? what I felt right there? D, I felt a prideful spirit just rise up. I came to chop it down this morning. I'm coming after that little prideful spirit you got, that when you look at your family, you tell yourself how wonderful you are and how awful they are. Ooh, I come for you this morning. I come for you. Yeah, you got friends, but you stick your nose up at them thinking that you are better than them just because you come to church and they don't. Honey, you sleep around just like them, so what's the difference? I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Sit there with your little nose up in the air. I can't stand sedity Christians that think they stuff don't stink and ain't nothing wrong with them. Is there anybody in here that say everybody on my road jacked up? Everybody up in this church from the pulpit all the way back to the back door. Everybody in here got issues and problems and hang-ups and circumstances and we can't sit up here and act like I ain't talking to me. The devil is a liar. Every time I come to church I want God to open me up and pull out everything in me that does not please him. I want God to open me up, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Is there anybody in here that say, I just want God to be pleased with my life? I, I know this year is about you, but is your constant self-analysis leaving you discouraged? 
because we could be stressing ourselves out by focusing on, watch this, what we don't have and what we have not achieved yet and where we thought we should be by now. You're stressed right now, going crazy, feeling sorry for yourself, in self-pity because you keep telling yourself that I should be further than where I am. And your self-awareness and your self-analysis of yourself, watch this, is stressing you out. Here's the crazy part. Didn't nobody say that but you. And how do you deal with the dilemma when it's you that's talking against you? What do you do when it's me versus me? Oh, this ain't no somebody on your job that can't stand you. This you. These are thoughts that's going through your mind. Ah, ghetto boys put it like this. My mind playing tricks on me. Bump, 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 bump. that went right over their head. They didn't know what I just said right there. It's all right. Because our constant turning inward has our minds and emotions so on ourselves that we are putting our souls on a plate and dissecting them to the place of great pain and regret. It's bondage. Because after you finish dissecting yourself, love, your joy is gone. It's bondage. Because after you finish dissecting yourself, your peace is gone. That's why God told us what to do with, with our minds in the first place. He said, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and pure and lovely and of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, the Bible says, think on these things. Get your mind off of you and put your mind on the things God is getting ready to do in your life. I wish somebody in here would have a mind change this morning that realized I'm not going to put my mind just on me, but I'm going to put my mind on God because God is getting ready to do amazing things in my life. Is there anybody in here that say God getting ready to blow my mind in 2019? He getting ready to do some great things in my life. And if I just focus on me, I'll miss what God wants to do in my life. But I'm going to look to the hills from which coming my help, my help help comes from the Lord. Oh, I can't put my mind on myself because when I put it on myself, I feel defeated. I feel there's nothing good about me. But when I put my mind on God, I see he's getting ready to turn my situation around. I see he's getting ready to heal my body. I see he's getting ready to make a way out of no way. I see he's getting ready to open a door that was shut in my face. When I put my mind on what God is doing, I can see that I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed when I come and blessed when I go. When I put my mind on him, I can see that all things are going to work together for my good. And is there anybody in here that got some great things in store? I need you to give God just a little bit of praise because you know your mind is on what God getting ready to do. So, the reason we are so preoccupied with ourselves, the reason that we sow on us is because we are not sufficiently occupied with Christ. Here go grown folk talk. There's only one way to get rid of self. And that is you should become so absorbed in someone or something else that you have no time to think about yourself. Now before you say you can't do that, look at your last relationship. I'm just, you know. <laughs> Think about the time when you got with them friends and now you no longer had an identity anymore. You ever seen somebody get in a relationship 
and you looking at them like, will the you I used to know come back? Because I don't know who that is right there. Watch this. Because the only way that you can get rid of self is that you should become so absorbed in someone or something else that you have no time to think about yourself. And what God is trying to teach us is that we must stop looking at ourselves so much and learn to enjoy Christ. I know you want three steps, shout, and you're going to be out of it. But I'm here to let you know that the only way that you're going to stop looking at yourself so much is that you got to start to learn how to enjoy Christ and enjoy being saved. I know your joy is gone because you thought you got saved and all your joy walked out. But is there anybody in here that know my life got better after I got saved? Oh, God, help me. That I enjoy knowing Jesus for myself. That I can lay my head down at night and know that even if I take my last breath absent from the body, it's present with the Lord. I know that at the end of the day, I got a God that's fighting for me. I enjoy being saved. Now, I ain't got to get drunk and high like everybody else. I can pull out some cars and get on a, on a table and play some cars and laugh and have a good time and cook me some good food and enjoy my life. Because I ain't got to be like everybody else and do what everybody else do. See, some of y'all can't even clap right there because you need a little bit of fifth. You need some wine. You need some liquor in order for you to feel good about who you are. But is there anybody in here that know when you look at when God saved you and when God redeemed you and when God brought you into a new and wealthy place, when you know that God made a way out of no way, I, I enjoy being saved. I ain't got to fit in like everybody else. I ain't got to say what you say and do what you do. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I enjoy Jesus. Watch this. And our duty and responsibility is to spend our time looking at Christ and gazing upon him. So much so that we come enraptured by, his, by the sight of him. And, and as a result, we forget ourselves. Here's your first, first point to this message. Here's number one. Here we go. The more we are captivated by Christ, the less we are caught up in self. Pastor, I didn't shout on that. I didn't want you to. The more we are captivated by Christ, the less we are caught up in self. The more we are captivated by Christ, the less we are caught up in self. Can I ask you a question? What would happen this year if our focus was less on ourselves and more on Christ? What would happen to our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our depression, our habits, our sin? What would happen to our faith if we focus less on us and more on Jesus Christ? Because fear, guilt, Unbelief and many other struggles are nothing but weeds that grow in the soil of our thinking about ourselves too much and thinking about Christ too little. When you get your mind off of Jesus, get ready for fear to creep in. When you get your mind off of Jesus, get ready for guilt to come back. When you get your mind off of Jesus, get ready for unbelief to take over. Because Jesus, watch this, rescues us from the obsession of self that makes us unfruitful and ineffective when we fix our eyes on him. That's why Hebrews says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, what? The author and finisher of our faith. <sighs> when I'm captivated by Christ's power, 
strength, anointing, his keeping power, his unconditional love, his unfailing love, his unending love, his joy unspeakable, his peace that surpasses all understanding. When I get captivated about who God is, my fears leave and my faith is strengthened. When I get captivated about who God is, my depression leaves and my joy returns. When I get captivated by Christ, my doubts leave and my confidence is renewed. So my question to you is, what got your attention? Because it could be whatever has your attention is the result of where the fears are coming from. You don't believe me? Let me break it down like this. If you can't think about nothing else but money, got to make it. Got to have it. Need more. Need money. 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 I want money. Got to have money. I want money. You got to live. I got to live. I want to live good. I want money. Give me more money. I want money. And what happens? You end up, watch this captivated so much by money that now fear of not having it creeps into your spirit. Because whatever captivates your attention, if it ain't Christ, all this other stuff can start growing all around you. That's why you got to be careful about being too captivated by somebody. I know that's your boo. I know that's your love. I know y'all walk down the aisle. I know y'all are, oh, married now. I say I was married now. I know. But if you're so focused on that, now doubt will start creeping up. What they doing? Let me check their phone. Let me see what they doing. Oh no, y'all, y'all modern age. Let me put the app on the phone that'll track them so I know exactly where they went, when they wear it. Felt that thing right there. Uh, this don't count for one, but look at your neighbor and say, uh, I ain't got time for all that. I ain't got time for all that. I'm going to look to Jesus because Jesus can keep you and me all at the same time. I'm going to look to Jesus because Jesus is the one that's going to take care of all my bills. He's going to make sure there's some money in my pocket. He's going to make sure that I'm taken care of every single day of my life. I'm going to be captivated by him. Unhealthy introspection, watch this. Let me put it like this. I got to go, go quickly. Unhealthy introspection is like when you're always looking at yourself, when you take your soul, you put it on a plate, and you're trying to dissect it. It's like this. Watch this. It's like a store owner closing up shop and then living in the store and spending all his time taking inventory of the things that have not been sold. Can I say that one more time? Unhealthy introspection, when, you, when you're always dissecting where you're at in your life and, and why well, I ain't got it yet and what's happening, I'm not happy. And another, it's like a store owner closing up shop, then living in the store and spending all his time taking inventory of the things that have not been sold yet. Can I tell you that's what we're doing with our thoughts? It's what we're doing with our emotions? It's what we're doing with our mind and our soul? We've closed up shop and taken inventory all the time of the things that have not been sold yet. Can I tell you something? There's nothing to gain through this type of introspection. So here's my suggestion to you. You ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready for this? Here's my suggestion. For every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. Let me rewind that back. For every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. 
You still don't believe me. Watch this. So um, here, here, here's how this works. My, look at myself. I'm not where I thought I should be by now. Okay, now let me take ten looks at Christ. But one, God kept me. Two, God brought me, to, brought me further than where I used to be. Three, almost didn't make it here, but he kept me. Four, I thought I was going to lose my mind, but he kept me. Five, lost some stuff on the journey, but he gave me more than I ever expected. Six, he gave me joy and sorrow. Y'all ain't looking at Christ. Seven, I got hope that God is not done with my life yet. Eight, I'm closer than I really realized. Nine, God is still with me and is on my side. And what's the tenth look? When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I took one look at myself, but I took 10 looks at Christ and realized my life ain't as bad as I thought it was. I need to know is there anybody in here that can take a little moment and look at Christ and see how he's keeping you. See how he's making a way. See how he's opening doors. See how he brought you out. I need somebody in here to look at Christ and give God just a little bit of praise. See, when I focus on Christ my self-analysis and my self-knowledge are no longer the end game in life. See, this is what society teaches you, that you need self-awareness, self-analysis, and self-knowledge, and then you'll be a better person. When, when you take a look at Christ, you realize self-analysis and self-knowledge are no longer the end game in your life. But now that becomes the doorway to a life of love, obedience, and joy. When I focus on Christ and not on myself, I no longer feel trapped in my thoughts. Let me say that again. When I focus on Christ and not on myself, I am no longer trapped in my thoughts. Because when I think of him, I remember he's the one that lifts my burdens daily. When I think of him, when I focus on him, he pulls me out of my self-imposed prison and liberates me to look beyond, the, to, to enjoy the life God has given me. Can I tell you the struggle as a pastor sometimes is to look at how far God has brought you and you're still walking around here with your lip dragging the floor as if your life is so horrible, as if somebody did something to you. Boo, you living better than you ever lived in your life. God brought you straight from the hood and look at you now. Look where you live. Look what you're Look what you wear, and you think as if your life is so horrible. Think about the horrible place that God brought you from, and you're not there anymore. How dare we get to a place where we can't give God glory and give God praise because stuff didn't work out the way we thought it should have worked out? He brought me from a mighty long way, He kept me when I couldn't keep myself. I want to tell God, thank you, because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. Somebody in here, clap your hands and give God glory if he brought you. See? 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 When I focus on him, it leads me to think rightly about myself. When I focus on him, it leads me to think rightly about myself. You don't believe me. One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movie series, one of my favorite movie series in the world, could watch it over and over again, is all the Jason Bourne movies. I love, anybody know about Jason Bourne? Bourne Identity, Bourne Ultimatum, Bourne Supremacy. I, I ain't like that new guy, but the, I like all the Bourne, the Bourne movies. 
I could watch them all over again. Just in case you never watched Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne is a, is a CIA agent who has suffered from severe amnesia and is trying to figure out who he is. Come here. I need you to hear this. And in one of the scenes, I think it's in the first movie, he's driving his friend Marie, and he turns to her in desperation and says, I don't know who I am, and I don't know where I'm going, because he suffered from severe amnesia. Looks at it and says, I don't know who I am, and I don't know where I'm going. So the whole series is him in search of his own identity. Watch this. He knows that he will not find the answer to his identity by looking inside himself. You can lock him in a room. You can have somebody interrogate him. But because of his amnesia, you will never be able to find out who he is by looking inside himself. The power of knowing himself is that he must move beyond himself. And the power of knowing who you are is that you must move beyond you. Because the irony of identity is that by looking away from ourselves, we are more likely to discover our identity. We are not self-created, so our identity is not self-determined. I know y'all don't like that right there, because you got a dream, you got a goal, you got a vision board. You done seen something on Instagram, and now you want to do that too. But we are not self-created, so, so our identity is not self-determined. Come here, you ready for this? That's why I don't have Jesus and pray with crystals. Come here, you new age people. This stuff that's creeping up now that you got to get you a crystal. Watch this. The crystal didn't make me. So why? Watch this. I, I don't have, come here, come here, come here. You, I'm talking to you. I don't have Jesus in my horoscope. Oh, I knew you was going to get quiet on that one. Because my sign don't define me. I have to go to the maker of the crystal. And I have to go to the maker of the stars. And I have to go to the maker of me to find out who I really am. I can't look to myself and figure out and give myself my own definition. I got to look to the maker of who made me for me to find out who I really am. enchantments and pray with your crystals and get you some sage. You want to add all this other stuff that has nothing to do with your faith. And you never talk to God. God help me. You never ask them, God, who did you make me to be? Who did I? I came through this world. Mama didn't want me and daddy didn't plan for me. But since I'm here, I know I have a destiny and a purpose. Why am I here, God? What is my purpose in life? Stop asking your prayer partner and get on your knees before God and ask God, God, why did you make me? Why did you create me? What am I here for? And God will start unveiling what your purpose is and what your destiny is. Because if I want to know about who I I am. I got to ask the maker of who made me. That's why this year I'll be captivated by Christ. I got to see his splendor. I got to be captured by his greatness. I got to be fascinated by his brilliance. I got to be overwhelmed by his glory. All right. Lord, they ain't like with that one. The more we are captivated by Christ, the less we are caught up in self. Here's number two. Here's number two. We need the light of the gospel to shine in the thinking of our self-absorption. We need the light of the gospel to shine in our thinking. 
On Wednesday, I'm going to deal with thinking and the thoughts we think and how we stay defeated in our thought process because we're all guilty of it. But we need the light of the gospel to shine in the thinking of our self-absorption. Most times when we turn inward, we have healthy introspection of our lives. It's because we e- we're either, watch this, insecure or don't like who we are. <laughs> this is why, you ready for this? Here we go. This is why we make self-promotion and self-expression a priority in our lives. Because we want to feel better about who we are. And the only way we will feel better is if that someone on the outside of us has to validate us in order for us to feel better about ourselves. You don't believe me? Watch this. Um, You know what I'm discovering? Here's what I'm discovering. Jennifer, I'll talk to you. Uh, Jennifer, I'm discovering that most people don't get married for love anymore. Most people get married. You, You ready? They get married for validation. They get married for validation that someone really does love them. No, let me go deeper. They get married to validate that somebody really does want them because they don't want themselves. So the only way that I can feel validated is I got to marry somebody, breath and bridges. So I can be validated because they feel like nobody wants them. So let me just walk down the aisle, stand in my little white dress so I can feel better about myself. 2019, single ladies, y'all need to have y'all a little wedding party. Go get you some dresses. Get in y'all living room. Take time applauding each other in that little dress. Because if you need validation from other people for you to feel better about yourself, don't you get married. Because one day you're going to be married to somebody who will refuse to validate you. Because they know if they validate you, it's going to make you feel better. And they angry at you. So I ain't going to say nothing nice right through here. Ooh, y'all getting quiet right through here. I got married folk just looking. You ready for this? That's why we post videos and pics of ourselves. Because likes somehow validate us in areas that we really feel deficient in. So, telling myself. So, I was posting little selfies, right? <laughs> Had on nice little outfits and stuff. And I knew I looked good. I knew I looked good. I knew. <laughs> I looked good. And I put a little post out there. And here's how twisted we are. You ready for this? I said to myself, self, if I put a little scripture on it, then I can at least hide the fact that when I wore the outfit, nobody said they liked it. So when the lights came up under what I thought they should have been, now I'm looking at everybody else. Well, what's, they just jealous. Oh, so-and-so didn't like my picture. They wish they could afford this. Oh, y'all think I'm the only one that think like that? 
Oh, y'all going to leave me out there? Okay with your crazy self. We all do it at some extent where we want other people to say, I like your hair. I like your outfit. I like your makeup. Oh, you look good, girl. You look, you look good. I like that suit you got on. Come on. We all want to be validated in some way, shape, or form uh, because there are areas of our life that we feel deficient in. And all of a sudden, we think that a like is going to fill up that roster and make us feel better about ourselves. But how many of you know it never feels the gap? It never fills you up to the place where you actually feel good about yourself. You got to let God get on the inside of you and build you up in your most holy faith so that you can be naked and not ashamed. So you can look at yourself and say, yeah, I got a little weight over here and I got a roll over there and I got a little stretch mark over here, but I still love who God made me to be. And if nobody like it, me and God like it. And what and God wants us to see that it's the gospel that rescues us. Hear this from self-hatred and self-esteem issues by destroying the idol of self and replacing it with Christ. Because once self is made an idol, I will either view myself as overly confident or I'll view myself as a failure. Come here. I got a little bit more. Can y'all take just a little bit more? Can y'all take just a little bit more? If my standards for myself are low, watch this, I live life surpassing my expectations and I feel awesome about myself. I'm confident, I'm self-assured, I'm boastful, and sometimes I even look down on those who fail. But if on the other hand, if my standards are very high and I do not meet them, I feel like I'm a failure, I'm insecure, I feel worthless, unrepresentable, and self-destructive. And apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, with myself as God, the only options for me are self-esteem or self-hatred issues. And I cannot be the answer to my problem. Here's number two. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, I know you're wonderful. And you look real good. But you are not the answer to your problems. Mm. I know you're wonderful. I mean, you look the part. You got it going on. Look at you. You're just special all by yourself. You're just wonderful. Look at you. You feel good. Woo. Think you got it going on. Well, Ask yourself, were your standards very high in the first place? Because one plus nothing is still one. Oh, well, your standards too high in the first place. I should be married, have 2.3 children, have a dog and a white picket fence by 24. I should be out of debt by 19. I should have my dream job with the corner office by 30. And when all my high expectations are not met, then I spend my life beating myself up. So either I have self-esteem issues or self-hatred issues. I would tell you to touch your neighbor, but you ain't going to lose my last one. But I'll tell you to touch your neighbor and ask them, which one are you? I ain't tell you to tell them that. 
self-esteem issues or self-hatred issues. Because look what the word says, Romans 12, verse number 3. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse number 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you are. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Because, watch this, I'm going to deal with this on Wednesday night, you need to come. There is a holy and an unholy way of thinking of ourselves. The correct way of thinking of ourselves means knowing that we are created in the image of God. We are adopted in love by the Father who sings over us. We are sanctified in Christ who died and rose for us. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. But on the other hand, the wrong way of thinking of ourselves is with a narcissistic, prideful, and self-important unholy way. God says the way to think of yourself should be lowly, sober judgment to consider yourself the foremost sinner. And to consider others more important than yourself. Ooh, we got some work to do. Thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, that's easy. We know that's pride. But watch this. I came to mess some of y'all up. Thinking of ourselves as worthless and hating ourselves is not to be mistaken for humility. Because if you suffer from a chronic sense of failure, from underachievement and shame, because compared to others, you're just not smart enough, you're not competent enough, you're not gifted enough, you're not organized enough, you're not educated enough, you're not successful enough, you're not rich enough, it is also an expression of pride. You don't believe me. Pastor, if I think of myself like that, how is that pride? I'm so glad you asked. Watch this. Because... My insistence to believe my opinion over what God has said about me is pride. If I insist on telling myself something opposite of what God has already declared over me, that's pride too, baby. So now this messes us up. Because we thought, you know, in the black church, humble yourself. We're going to put the H on it. Humble. <laughs> you got to humble yourself. So we thought, humble means you sit there like a little church mouse. We say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You got to be humble. And we have taken that to think lowly of ourselves. Watch this. The biggest issue in the church, watch this. Ain't the foolishness they put on Facebook. It ain't about a preacher car. It ain't about what the preacher, preacher drives. It ain't about all this other foolishness that we get so caught up on. You know what the biggest problem in the church now? Self-hatred. We don't like us. So if I don't like me, why should I expect to like you? The only way I can easily tear you down is if I don't like me very much. Because when I like me, and I, and I love who God made me, and I see the specialness in who he made me, then I can look at you and say, you're beautiful as well. <laughs> it ain't all this other foolishness and self-hatred. You don't like who God made you. Sometimes you got to get like, who is it, Sly, 
in the um, family stone, he said, thank you for letting me be myself again. You know what the problem is? Because we don't like who we are, we turn into shape shifters. You know, some days I want to walk up to people and say, well, who are you today? <laughs> Have I seen this one before? <laughs> Am I the only one that's, y'all going to leave me out there like that? Because when you like you, you you in the morning. And you in the, mid, and you, you in the midday. And catch me at midnight, I'm still going to be me. Some people, you know, they just crazy. They're going to be crazy in the morning. They're going to be crazy in the afternoon and crazy in the evening. And they might even turn it up in the, in the midnight hour. And God is saying, you got to like who God made you to be. You got to like who God made you. Stop looking at yourself and hating what you see. I love, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I like who God made me. No, I ain't got it all together. Yes, I mess up all the time. But I thank God that he's working on me and he's developing me. And I love the process that he has me in. I need you to touch your neighbor and this for a halftime and tell them, love who God made you. Stop beating yourself up. Stop looking at yourself and doubting who God made. You are fearful and wonderfully made. Go on with your bad self. You look good, girl. Stop letting people and the word curses that people spoke over your life resonate in your spirit to define who you are. Stand flat-footed and believe that I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can have what God says I have. And if you don't like it, oh, well. I'm trying to help us in 2019. Watch this. I have to let the gospel shine in my self-absorbed thinking. God says, if I said it, your opinion don't matter. Let me say that again. God says, if I said it, your opinion don't matter. If I said it, your opinion don't even matter. God says, watch this. When you walk in pride about who you think you are, whether you are egotistical or whether you have self-hatred, when you walk in the pride of that, God says, are you not calling me a liar? Are you now saying that who I made you, that ain't who you are? Because now you're calling the question if I'm really who I say I am. God is saying, don't call me no liar. I cannot lie. You're the head and not the tail. You're the lender and not the borrower. You're above and not beneath. Come on, I need some people in here. You're more than a conqueror. You're stronger, you're wiser, you're better. Stop letting where you came from define where you are headed. Honey, you are headed to a place that you've never been before, but it's been just ordered for your footsteps. God is saying, you got to believe what I have spoken over your life. Number three, and I'm done. Number three, watch this. You got to see grace in the mirror. You got to see grace in the mirror. Okay? Every preacher in here can tell you this. Uh, seems like, as a preacher, that no matter how good you preach, lodge in the recesses of your mind is that one person that would not move the entire time you preach. I have preached where the folks were swinging from the chandelier. The folks was, was rolling on the floor. Folks were slain in the spirit. And I can remember Sister Jones sitting on the front row with her arms crossed and her mouth balled up. 
folk getting delivered and set free. And my focus was on the one who wasn't with it. Watch this. It seems, watch this. I ain't the only one because it seems as if no matter how much encouragement you receive, it is the one crit or the one criticism that gets stuck in your brain. They could have said 10 things. It's the one that's going to destroy all them 10. You still ain't with me? Let's talk about your annual review on your job. No matter how much the evaluation contains encouragement or, or identifies and celebrates your strengths and your accomplishments, the encouragement ricochets off your soul and the constructive feedback is what cuts you deep. Because we will dwell on the critiques and view them as defining not just our work, but our value. How dare you say that one thing about me? And what we need to understand is that the pride of self-pity that wants to impress others so bad that we can't stop thinking about ourselves. It's not until you see grace when you look in the mirror that you are freed from the pitfalls of your own defeatism. It's not until you look in the mirror and see grace all over your life that God is doing something in you and through you that it breaks the back of self-absorbed misery. <sighs> because it's when you can look in the mirror and see that it's been by his grace that Christ is powerfully changing you and working through you. Is there anybody here that can give God just a little bit of praise that who you are today is not who you used to be five years ago? I need somebody here that know that grace been working on your life. See, I can't just look at my life and see me for where I am today. I got to see that grace has been working me and massaging me and molding me into being who God wants me to be. And I'm here today because I've been kept by his grace. And I'm here today because he done worked on me by his grace. There's some people that should have got cussed out, but his grace kept me. Come on. Is there anybody in here that know you almost went postal, but it's grace that was on your life that kept you. You got to see the grace in the mirror. See, here's what we do. You ready? When we examine our lives, we only examine our lives to see the evil in us. When we look at ourselves, we only want to see, we only look for the bad. I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I'm not there, I messed this up, I missed this mark. And when was the last time you examined yourself to find the good that was there as well? Because when you can see how God is changing you and growing you and developing you and molding you and shaping you, it leads you to a place of joy and thankfulness. I'm not where I should be, but by his grace, I'm not where I could be. I thank God for his grace. I'm done. Here's my last quote. Tim Keller wrote this. This thing messed me up. He says, I am so bad that he had to die for me, and I'm so loved that he was glad to die for me. See how you turn that? I know you, I know you quick to say how bad you are, boo. But when was the last time you looked for the good? When was the last time you looked at yourself and said, I ain't all bad. There's some good parts of me. That God has used his grace to make me to be who he wants me to be. Because can I tell you something? When you start to look for the good in you, you'll start to look for the good in other people. This is a hard thing, y'all. Can I just, listen, let me tell you something. It's a hard thing, Tilly, because this thing worked on me. Because I would always nitpick myself just to find the bad stuff. So then when I looked at other people, I could never see them from a positive light. So then when they did something, 
that validated how I felt, then I could stand in the pride of the moment and say, see, I knew they was like that. The only problem is in that moment, I'm also saying, see, I know I'm like that as well. You ever see somebody that was so hypocritical that they tried to beat somebody else up over the same thing they did themselves? God is saying, when's the last time you saw the good in you? This is what I want to do. I'm done. I want you to shut your eyes for a moment. Because this message is about being introspective. I don't want you to look at the bad of you. I want you to see the good in you. I want you to see the grace of God that's been working in your life. Look at the fact of the patience you used to didn't have. And look how patient you are now. Look at the fact of how broken you used to be. Now look at the fact that you don't even cry over that stuff no more. Come on, I need you to see the good in you. Think of how you used to dog yourself and tell yourself how ugly you were. Now you look in the mirror and you don't even see that person no more. I need you to see the grace of God in your life. And when you see the grace of God in your life, I want you to take a moment and lift your hands and thank God that God's grace has been developing you and shaping you and molding you. Come on, this ain't a beat up moment. This is a moment to celebrate that God done brought you a mighty long way. Come on. Think of how jacked up your family is and how God yanked you out of that stuff. And the generational curses that was on them ain't on you. That's a place to give God. Thank him for his grace that's been covering your life. Come on, I rebuke the enemy that's trying to tell you, trying to pull you back in self-defeat. I rebuke everything that he's trying to whisper in your ear about how awful you are. See the goodness of God in you. I used to be so much worse. I used to be so much worse. Come on, I used to be so much worse. Where I used to be, I ain't there no more. Come on, I used to be a hateful person that couldn't stand people, but now I'm hugging people that I don't even know. Come on, think about how the grace of God has been molding you and shaping you into being who he wants you to be. Come on, just take a moment. Because you will not live 2019 defeated. You will not live 2019 defeated. You will not live 2019 defeated. Come on, I came to drive it out. You will not live 2019 defeated. You will not live 2019 defeated. But I need some victorious people that say, I'm going to live victorious this year. Yes, I'm going to have trials. Yes, I'm going to have issues. It may not be perfect, but our God is going to bring me out with the victory. That God is going to bring me out with the grace on my life. I need those that believe that to jump on your feet, lift your hands and give God glory that you are going to have victory and 2019 my whole house is going to have victory hallelujah hallelujah I speak victory I speak victory I speak victory I hear you Lord I hear the Lord saying take one hand put it over your mind put it over your head and I need you to rebuke every defeating, 
doubtful thought that tries to pull you back to where you used to be, that is not you any longer. Come on. I need you to take authority over it. Every doubtful, every self-defeating thought that tries to drive, come on, even in the midnight hour when it tries to whisper in your ear and tell you it's always going to be like this and you're never coming out of this and God has forsaken you and God has left you. I need you to tell the devil he's a liar. Come on. I will think thoughts that line up with God's word. I will think thoughts that line up with what God said about me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the lender not the borrower. I'm above and not beneath. I'm going to win. I will not fail. I will not fall to pieces. I will not go crazy. Come on. I rebuke depression. I rebuke doubt. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. In 2019, I will have the victory. Now lift your hands and worship him. Hallelujah. 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 And God, we thank you. And we bless you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word. For it's your word that brings the entrance of light. We thank you for your word that illuminates our soul, shows us our issues and our problems, but shows us our victory as well. We bless your name. We honor you for what you're doing in our lives. God, as the pastor of this church, I thank you for a mature word. God, I pray that the people were able to digest this word on today. I pray that they walk in victory that they will not have self-defeating thoughts and mindsets and habits, but that when they look at themselves, they take 10 looks at you to see that you are still with them, that you have never left them nor forsaken them, that you will pull them through everything that they're going through, and that all things are going to work together for your good. God, we thank you right now, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God the best praise you can. Come on. If you receive this word on today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you are unsure of your salvation, if you never confess the Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, my sister, what better day than today, the first Sunday of this year, to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you know you're not saved or you're unsure of your salvation, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to lift your hands saying, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus in my heart on today. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Freedom, a place you can grow and mature in God, a place that don't try to play the game, but wants to be serious, that wants to grow in God. This is a place where you can grow and develop into who God wants you to be. So my brother, my sister, if it's to surrender your life to Jesus Christ or it's to join this church, I'm going to count to three and I want you to lift your hand saying, Pastor, it's me. Today is decision day can't live in this zone anymore there's greatness ahead of me and it's time to make that change come on let's do it on today one think about it two Jesus loves you come on if it's to surrender your life to the Lord or to join this church for either reason here we go I want you to lift your hand one two three lift your hand if I'm talking to you lift your hand if I'm talking to you hallelujah 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 and we thank you. Hallelujah.
Heads up, eyes open. Let's give God glory for the word on today. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be seated in his presence as we get ready to give at this time, as we get ready to give at this time, as we prepare ourselves to give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't beat God giving, no matter how hard you try. There's nothing like giving to God. God will bless you with increasing overflow if you give to him. I don't want for us to be a church that lives in poverty. I want us to be a church that lives obeying the word of the Lord. He said, if you give the tithe, you give the offering, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You don't have room enough to receive. Is there anybody in here that say, I know that God is blessing me with overflow in my life? <laughs> Hallelujah. I want us to get to a place, freedom, where we trust God even in the area of our finances. It's not just to praise him with our mouths and praise him with our lips. But God says, put your money where your mouth is. Don't just want me to bless your job and bless you with this, but you don't want me to bless your finances. There are people all over this room that can tell you, when you give to God, he'll hold stuff together that you can't even understand. He'll let that car keep running. He'll let that washing machine just go a few more days. He'll hold some stuff together, and then he'll bless you and hook you up with stuff that you weren't even expecting. God, it says, this is the season where I'm going to give unexpected blessings for the obedient. I know we don't like to talk about that in church. We don't like to talk about money. I don't know why, you know, money and sex. Y'all want so much of both, but you don't want to talk about it. I can't stand church people. You want to sit up here? How little poo-poo got here? Hello. We love little poo-poo, but hello, you was doing something. Deidre said, go to your office. <laughs> Listen, but we want God to bless not just what we say, but what we do. And God will bless us even in the area of our finances. So let's give on today. Let's be obedient.